Hello, my name is Nick, and I'm here with my co-host James. And we're coming to you from Wildcat Photography Studios. On today's show, we'll be discussing the Red Hawks' new manager, our final update on the Martinez saga, Roy Stadium Stadium debacle, a bunch of player movements, and much more. So grab a bat and step into the batter's box, because you're listening to the Indie Ball Report podcast. back again another episode you know it's standard deal oh yeah so we got some stuff to touch upon here something to tease and then we'll jump right into the show as usual want to take it from here yeah so uh, we got a couple of polls that we uh, had out this week um those are up on social media so if you want to go check those out that'd be a, be a good thing to do obviously we have uh the article that's been kind of in the process here for a couple of weeks uh taking a couple of weeks off had some personal stuff going on uh, so I haven't been able to devote too much time to it, but certainly at some point we'll get uh, a couple of those out and released, kind of all at the same time. Uh, so that'll be good. It'll be more of a dump than anything else. Yep. And also the polls, as well as the articles, are also found not only on the social media, but on the website as well. Yep. Just got to go to the appropriate tag there. Website again, www.indiemallreport.com. It's got all our episodes on it. All everything we do is on that page. I highly recommend checking that out. Yeah, definitely. Yep, and then the big thing, we want to tease something here. We can't go into specifics about it because we're still in the process of just confirming everything. Very secretive right now, yeah. Just keep your eye on the Twitter page as well as our feed, like our SS feed, and the website and all that stuff. There's something big that's coming up. It should be out towards the end of the weekend, early next week. Yep. It's going to be something we haven't done before. It'll be very exciting. And it won't be nearly as disappointing as the Chicago Dogs announcement. <laughs> Very true, yes. But it won't quite be the New Britain Peas Free Peanuts. I mean, you can't compete with free peanuts. No. With that all said, let's go ahead and dive into the actual show today. With our first topic being the new manager in the American Association. The Fargo-Moorhead Redhawks have announced their third manager in team history, so about 25 years or so, is going to be Jim Bennett. He has an extensive career of 25 years between playing and coaching. He replaces Michael Schlatt, who left for a position with the Milwaukee Brewers organization and one of their affiliated minor league teams. And he's been spending some time as of late with the inside the Australian League with Perth, and is also the pitching coach of the Australian national team. He is definitely an expert in what he does. He's definitely a pitching specialist. Uh, I really do like the hire from everything I've seen from him. Oh, yeah, this is a great hire. This is a baseball guy's baseball guy. Really knows pitching, really knows the game. I think it's going to be a great hire for the Red Hawks. And I just think overall this is going to be another one of those things that just strengthens the American Association and continues to put it in that upper echelon of baseball. And not only, you know, marketing-wise, but certainly this is really a boost for on-the-field products and keeping a team that's very stable, as you've seen, uh, and is going to continue to help them to become stable as well. Yep, of course. Um, obviously, we've been on a bit of a down streak the last five years. Yep. Between not having a playoff appearance and whatnot, having kind of middling records, I think Ben is definitely going to come in and uh, kind of change that up. And so I really do expect him to be a huge help to the staff here. I think he's going to really help up with the arms there and really help develop them to the uh, to the next level, I think. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think that when you're dealing with pitching, especially in these leagues and the independent leagues, it's really hard to get good pitchers. Because like you said, a lot of these leagues are skewed for hitters. and mm-hmm. So to have a good pitching coach in there helps to develop guys. and also helps to get guys in, uh, into the next level, get, helps get guys back to the, the major leagues or certainly another opportunity in affiliated ball. So certainly this is a great hire. Anytime you can have someone who's a specialist uh, like this come in, it really will help mm-hmm. the whole team. And then certainly that staff, that pitching staff, is going to get a lot of help from it. If not only that, they're also keeping on the uh, hitting guys and all that sort of deal yep. in the uh, front office and in the actual dugout. So I do expect that hitting not to fall off at all, but just really increase that defensive aspect, the pitching aspect of it. And I think that's going to be something that's going to be very interesting to uh, watch for. Although I do kind of want to know how his pitching style is going to affect guys that are coming over from the Atlantic League or that they're going to get mid-year from the Atlantic League. I think that they're going to have that different mound for half the year. They come over and out of here. How's he going to coach for that? That's going to be interesting to see, I think. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see for like anything, really. I mean, if you look at, uh, you know, all these leagues, the Atlantic League now has become that X factor, and those guys from the mm-hmm. Atlantic League, how they're going to adjust to back to the mound after the season, and even if you get a guy mid-season, you know, how that adjustment will be made will be really interesting to see uh, how that all works out. 
Yep, of course. And I think that's overall though, this is a terrific hire. And I'm I'm really interested to see how they do in the season and just the long Ben also seems very involved in wanting to get the whole community involved, get the team involved with the community too. I think it's top to bottom a great hire. Yeah, absolutely. My hot take would be I think they make the playoffs for the first time uh, since twenty thirteen with this hire. I think he's the X factor that will get them there, uh, just logistically. Um, the X's and O's of baseball, he knows it, and I think he'll get them to their first playoff yeah. uh, since 2015. Yep, and of course, we'll go into more detail on not only for, uh, Fargo-Moorhead, but all the teams in the American Association as we get closer to the season. And we're probably going to start doing our league previews yep. fairly soon, I imagine, in the next week or two. Yep. We just want to wait a little bit until the rosters start getting filled out, and obviously every well, bench coach position, all yeah. that gets filled out too. Manager, bench coach position. Yep. yep, all that gets filled out. That's important. But uh, moving on from there, I think uh, Martinez is a nice jumping point to next. Here we go. Yep. Once again, this is now our official final update on Martinez. We've kind of beaten the horse to death here by just so much information coming out from it. <laughs> our final final on Martinez. Exactly. The only other time we will talk about them is if they get a team back. Right. Which, as you could kind of guess from that, uh, they're not having a team this year, but. That was all but official. It's just now been officially made by the uh, Pacific Association here. So let's dive into that. <clears throat> and just quickly recap it for those that are tuning in for the first time. Uh, obviously, on other episodes, I believe episodes 6 and 2, or 6 and 3, one combination of those, we go yeah. into a far deeper breakdown on it. So just real quick here, uh, Martinez is part of the Pacific Association, their ownership group got into some legal problems with the FBI. Mm, yes. Currently, they're being accused of running a policy scheme of upwards of $800 million, and they are not able to keep the team. And as has come about in the last two weeks since the start of March, the city of Martinez terminated the lease agreement there. And as last we had left it, the league and the city were looking for an ownership group or some sort of team of investors to keep the team there for this year. So where we're at today is Mayor Schroeder has come out and said that he wants the process done right and that the investment team they were talking to has just simply ran out of time. And he feels as though to go ahead and try and field a team now for spring training and training camps that come about this time next month, it just wouldn't be possible. It would just reduce it to a rushed product that would be really inferior and he doesn't want that in the... Uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely, that's just, uh, you know, the unfortunate uh, way that this is all developed is really sad for the, the people of Martinez and, and, and obviously the Clippers organization now being no more. Uh, and so it's it's an unfortunate turn of events, like I said uh, a couple of weeks ago or last week, that, you know, it's it's, it's a sad situation. But by the same token, uh, you know, I, I don't think the people of Martinez should totally give up. It sounds like that, uh, obviously, on this season they're done, but it seems like they had the resources to get another team, maybe. The yeah, future. they're definitely interested in looking at them. They said in the fall they'll revisit the possibility of getting a team. Right. I assume that's just to give the investors about, you know, six months or so to really start to get everything in order and make sure that this time around there is a stable ownership basis. So that way, you know, we don't have these problems again that this comes up with. Obviously, there's going to be more information coming on this, I'd imagine. Uh, the only announcement we got was through the Martinez Gazette. We didn't even get, like, an official press statement from the league itself, but the league itself did tweet out the article, so I think that's their official announcement. Yeah. But uh, just to quickly touch on it, uh, Fightmaster, the commissioner of the league, did say that it will either be a traveling team or more dark days to resolve the now scheduling issue with Martinez departing the league. Uh, dark days just meaning it's going to be off days, days where no baseball's played in it. Right. I really feel like the Pacific Association didn't do a terrific job handling it. No. I, I understand to a point when you have a new commissioner coming in in November and then the next month, this is immediately what happens. It's not really something you expected to have mm-hmm. when you signed up for the job. So I suppose that would fall on the previous commissioner for not doing their homework on who was buying the team. But then again, you know, they didn't show any signs of this before. So how much is it their fault? Right. So I'm not going to really point fingers at that, but I am going to say it could have been handled a lot better. The Pacific Association could have said something when this first came out that we understand that this has happened and just done that through their own outlets, not using the Martinez Gazette for this. I think that would have been the more 
the better way of handling it. I think there's a more professional way to handle it. I also think that there's a way uh, that immediately they could have forced uh, yeah. the Karpovs to rescind uh, their ownership and sell the team, basically. Yeah, uh, basically give them the ultimatum of you're leaving you're now. You're leaving now. Uh, they could have done that if they were a little bit more strong-armed with it. Maybe there would be baseball being played in Martinez, uh, mm-hmm. probably. Uh, you could have gotten something together when this first broke, I think, you know, a month ago or so. Um, but, uh, you know, by the same token, I, I think that you can't put a whole ton on the league. I think you got to put a lot of – a lot of it's got to be on – you know, the fact that the, the ownership group... Oh, yeah, no, this is heavily <laughs> on uh, Martinez here. Their ownership group that put them in that kind of a position. Right. It's got to be on the ownership group. Yeah. You know, it falls mainly on them. Yeah. That they put their team in that kind of a position where now the city's going to be out of baseball team. It definitely comes down on them first. However, at the same time, though, the league does have a responsibility to go ahead and alert its fans and alert the people that follow the league of this through better ways than just uh, a local press here, which, just as an aside, real quickly, like the Martinez, because that shows why it's important to have, like, local papers and whatnot. Right. Because yeah. covering this would have been basically impossible. I believe there's one article in, like, the San Francisco Chronicle that touched on this, and that was about it. And even then, that was only when uh, the Ponzi scheme part came out, which, once again, is still alleged. So, right, of course. But even still, it shows how important local press is. But more so back on topic here, I'm just, unless feeling like there is something there, I also feel like the city maybe should have said earlier on, like, okay, what's your plan here? Because this affects us, and went to the league, and then, and they could have made a statement. I feel like just making a statement earlier on would have been a better way of handling this, you know? Yeah, definitely. I mean, not only making a statement earlier on, but being more forceful with your statement earlier on. Obviously, they kind of danced around a little bit. We got some quotes from... Uh, fight master about things, and but they really did dance around this. Uh, and I think it got it from the beginning. We got the feeling that baseball and Martinez was not only in jeopardy, but probably not going to happen this spring if they kept on that trajectory. And they sh- they had the obligation to warn the fans that this was going to happen, and they they didn't. Exactly. I I think if you put a as well as you could, as in it's near extinction level for a minute that this FBI raid happened, and this is just the final death blow. This is just confirming what we already knew. So it's it's sad to it, and once again, like you said, you have somewhat of an obligation to alert your fans that, look, this is a serious possibility here, so just to let you know. you know. And I just feel like there could have been a lot more done here to resolve the issue. I feel like the city would have gotten involved, maybe you could have gotten an ownership group ready to go at the moment's notice there, and now we would just be signing contracts, and everybody would walk away pretty happy here. Right. But, you know, that's not what happened, and it's unfortunate, but that's just a that's just the case. That's how it happens sometimes. Yeah, I mean, that's the that's the way it goes sometimes. But, you know, certainly I think it could have been handled better, but by the same token, I don't think that... Uh, there's only so much you can do, There's right? only so much yeah. you can do, and the Pac Pro League, uh, you know, is, doesn't have the same resources as even, like, of the course. Atlantic League. So, I mean, it, it's hard for these smaller leagues to really... You yeah, know, you can't really crack the whip on people right. when there's not really that many people willing to jump right in and get a team here. Right. Although I may be able to point a little bit at them going, maybe it's irresponsible to expand as quickly as they did a league that was found i believe 2010 or 2012 they expand uh, like a two team a year clip for a little bit that's, right mm-hmm. it's a bit you know make me you should slow it down say okay we start with four let's go ahead and run for at least five years with just these four strengthen these four and then kind of go from there i get the point of striking while there's a lot of interest but even still now you've went ahead put a team in a market like martinez that wanted a team and now I imagine they're a bit sour towards the league, seeing how they got ripped away from them for them doing absolutely nothing but supporting the team. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know if they'll be as sour towards the league as they would be more the ownership group. Of course, uh, but still. I, I think the league still has a good chance of getting a team back in there if they want it um, mm. in, in, in the coming years. And like you said, this might be a, an opportunity for other leagues to look at uh, as well, an American mm. Association maybe. I think uh, a Pecos League would probably be more... More yeah. speed with them. Yeah, more at speed. You know, Pecos League, something like that to, to look at. And uh, But I, I certainly think there's there's plenty of room for the Pac-12 League to kind of get back in there with it. Yeah, no, definitely. I think there's um, I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the fall. Obviously, we won't cover it until that happens. Right. So, because we, like we said, everything we're saying now, we've basically said in the past year. Sure. There's yeah. only so many ways you can go, spin, go ahead and spin this year to give you more information on it. All we know now is that it's going to be either dark days 
for an, a traveling team, which nobody wants to see either one of them, but it's what it is. And that we're just waiting on an investment group now. Yep. So hopefully it gets straightened out. Hopefully come October, we have a new Martinez team. And then come June next year, there's baseball Martinez. Yeah, I think the, the only last point that I have to make on it is mm-hmm. the league's got to iron this out. The league has exactly. to go to the, the town committee, got to go to the fans and say, you know, we're sorry you lost your team. Here's our plan to rebuild. And they have to do it immediately. If they wait too long, you're right. Then mm-hmm. then it'll really sour and then people will just be, you know, upset with the whole idea. Yep, exactly. And I think that hits on the note that we've said in the past, transparency, transparency, transparency. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you're doing. Give me at least a rough outline of what happens. Because yeah. at least if I know what's happening, I can go ahead and go, okay, well, at least there's a plan. At least if I know there's a plan, I can go ahead and, you know, yeah. If, for if it. there's a plan, yeah. If there's a plan in place, it'll be okay. But if, as we saw here, wasn't really a good plan in place, and you got what you got. No team. Exactly. Well put. And I think with that, it's a beautiful segue into our next topic here. And revisiting our old friend Mark Schuster. Mark! Marky Mark's back in the news. I love it. Honestly, it could start off with me being actually a little perturbed at Mark for the way he's handled things here, <laughs> especially with Joplin. But now I'm almost, like, I don't want to say I'm sad for Mark, or that I pity him a little bit, but I certainly don't have any sort of, like, negative anything towards right, Mark. of course not. It's just an unfortunate situation he has here. And I think you bit off a lot more than you could chew, as you'll see here in a minute when we dive into the stadium here, but the Royce City Stadium uh, proposal that he had, well, to put it best, it's basically fallen through. It's all but done that. Yeah. Uh, as it was put in the article that was linked in the show notes, the stadium had a snag in financing. So basically what that means is he was set to close on the land. And he was unable to close on the land, and due to not being able to fulfill certain obligations, I suppose is the best way of putting it, the town and the owner of the land, as well as the construction company that was going to build the stadium, all withdrew any sort of uh, their, his incentives. That's right. how it's phrased. He's kind of or up the creek with no paddle. Yeah. He's not doing great here, and honestly, his he said it was due to unforeseen difficulties. But someone asked him if. Would saying that the ballpark's in limbo be the best way of describing the situation? And this quote, honestly, I think describes his whole league. Limbo would be an accurate way of describing the situation. And I understand how we, how we probably say, like, you know, limbo is an accurate way of describing the situation, and this probably continues from there. But in my mind, I have him saying it as, limbo would be a accurate way of describing the situation. (laughs) Like, that's how I have him saying it in my mind, you know? Oh, yeah, I mean, this just gets better and better. I mean, worse and worse, really, for anyone who wants to. Oh, yeah, no, it's terrible for Texas baseball fans. It's terrible for Texas baseball fans. But for our uh, entertainment and and nasty guile towards Mark, uh, certainly uh, there's there's undoubtedly uh, plenty of fodder for that here. I mean, come on, uh, limbo would be an accurate way. I mean, come on, it's just... It certainly isn't limbo, it's accurate, though. It's an accurate statement, it absolutely is. I think, like I said, I, I think this, this league just is not a great organization from the top down. I think that, it, you know, there's a lot of things that need to be cleaned up for it to become the reality that we all hope it is. Um, but by the same token, I think it's possible that, um, I think it's possible for it to really to take off, but you need teams to have a league and you can't have Joplin falling through, can't have this one maybe falling through, so you we got you've got some issues, there's no doubt. Exactly. We started with what, was it six teams or eight teams? I believe it was eight actually. Yes, eight and then there's the four that were announced and then the four that were mystery teams that we didn't know about yet. Right, yeah. Right, okay. And even the Dallas team that he had was just the Dallas Southwest League team. We yeah. didn't have a name. We didn't really have anything. Actually, I think it was I think it was six. I think it was six. Six. Okay. Six, and there was two that we didn't know the. Yeah. Know yeah, I wasn't sure about that. It's been a while since we touched on the whole on the league as a whole because yeah. well, there hasn't been anything happening. But you know, it's just something there, and it's like okay, so we only know two thirds of the league. Of the two thirds in the league, we only have a name for half the league, and only one of them actually has a ballpark. And so it really sounds like he bit off a lot more than he could chew here. I mean, I, like I said, I, I, I agree with you. I feel bad for the guy. He he really does seem like a genuinely nice guy in oh, these yeah. interviews. You like, can really seem like he, you could tell this guy really feels like this is his dream and he really wants oh, to do it. I know it's so it's so, so it, it sucks for him, but honestly, it's 
kind of like one of those things where, like, you know, I really want to own a baseball team. You know what? Wait, I'm going to own my own league. I can make it work. And it's like, yeah, no, it's not that easy. You need a whole... It seems like he went in going, I have enough money to fund it for a couple of years, and by then, I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll, have the, I'll have the investors and I'll have the sponsors and I'll be able to kind of make it self-sustaining and, and I can it, sell off these franchises and it'll work good. It seemed like he had a plan, right? It seemed like uh-huh. he had this plan and he was ready to and willing to execute. But the problem is that, yes, there were unforeseen, quote-unquote, difficulties. And when you have those issues that come up, he wasn't ready for them, he wasn't prepared uh, for those difficulties, and, you know, he's, he, he's now having issues with it, and we'll see if this league ever gets off the ground. Exactly. When you hear stories like this, though, it tells you it's not getting off the ground. We can't even build the thing, and it certainly confirmed any doubt we've had about them taking the field this year, because there's no way in hell that's going to happen. Absolutely no way. No chance. No, so, no chance. It's not going to happen in 2020 now, because the stadium takes time to build. You're not just going to plop it up in eight months. Well, not a good stadium, anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, with the way that the uh, rendering show on this, on the website, which you could just go to southwestleague.com, they're just typing the Southwest Baseball League, and then uh, put in Roy City Griffins on the, the Google search. will be one of the first things that comes up. You'll see there's no way in hell he's going to be able to build that thing in such a short period of time. Like, it looks like an 18-month construction if everything's going good in the way that's, uh, that stadium looks. So, it looks 2022 is really your optimal date if oh, yeah. you've got everything in order, which I doubt is going to be the case. Yeah, I think at best it gets pushed back. At worst, it, it gets scrapped entirely. Exactly. I feel like his better bet would have been saying, okay, maybe the league's a bit ambitious. Let me go ahead and just focus on getting, like, a Waco team, or a Roy City team, or Joplin up and running. Or partnering with, like, a, another league to get off the ground, like a Pecos League or something See, that's like that. what that's why I was heading with I was like, you go ahead, you get the one team, you join a sturdy, dependable one, like, say, an American Association type deal. Yeah. And then you go ahead, and as you're doing that, you work with other people, see their levels of interest, see if you can't get something going here, and then move over to the league that you've been planning. I mean, it's a better way to do it. It's a know. cleaner way. It seems like it seems like something that, that's more attainable. Because I think I said, I mean, he had these ambitions. I think he said in, in the last show we did on him mm-hmm. that he'd been working on it for like you know a decade or a half a decade. Or yeah, it was like about that. I must say like four years, six years, something like that. Yeah, it's been a while. Been working on it. Yeah, so I mean, obviously we can. I mean, anyone can can understand that having a dream and really wanting to see it to fruition. But sometimes you need to think about things pragmatically, and I'm not sure that's exactly what happened here. I think he dove in, like you said, bit off a little bit more than he could chew. Exactly, it was a half-baked idea. I think I think he had the funding at the time, and then as time went on, that funding dried up, or he underestimated how much money he was actually going to need, or the time he was going to have to dedicate to it. And Probably, so the yeah. projections were off. So I feel like that's what happened here. Mm-hmm. And when everybody starts pulling your incentives away and then the letter of intent you had expires and everything's going wrong, it really seems like you should just go ahead, go back to the drawing board and go, okay, new plant time. Yeah. And just run with that. Because I really think, I think he could be a competent owner. I just think he needs more people involved in this. I mean, you saw when the Atlantic League was getting off the ground, there was three, four, five main guys. Oh, yeah. I mean, with all due respect here to Mark Schuster, I don't see him as, like, a Frank Bouton type guy. No. That's, you know, ran the Long Island Ducks, one of the most successful teams in the unaffiliated ball, and has done wonders for the Atlantic League itself, and fought to us and be able to keep Atlantic City around as long as they did until, you know, just economic reasons forced his hand and even now he's trying to get them back you could tell he's really fighting for them and he knows what he's doing i don't think mark's on the same level or he has a different set of skills that frank has right yeah i mean definitely i think that you know it's hard to say what kind of what kind of guy mark is uh, we haven't really mm-hmm. seen him in action mm-hmm. uh, yet but I, I think that you know no evidence we've been given mm-hmm. is that there he's gonna all of a sudden turn it on and become a powerhouse uh, leader for this organization um, for this league, and I just don't think that you know that's a, a positive start. It's not it's certainly not a positive start. You know, it's not a good it. first step there. It's kind of like he took his first step at the top of the stairs, you know. Yeah. And now he's, he's falling down. He needs to grab the handrail. Like I said, I really think he needs to take a time out here. Go, okay. 
I need to focus on getting these few teams together and run with that. Yeah, I agree. Because when you're announcing you're going to run the league, you still own all the teams in the league. It's, you know. Yeah, I mean, he could sell the team, the, the team, the teams. The, yeah, I suppose he could sell the identities to them and run there. Yeah. But, I, like, honestly, if I was starting this here, just to kind of go off on a little exercise here, <laughs> if I was starting a league like this, I think he picked a good market. I think Texas can definitely work. Now, the heat in the summer, we wouldn't be having many gate games. True. Yeah. That would be a starting point. We'd have all of, like, in a 100-game season like you want, maybe 10. Maybe. Maybe. And, and those would be those morning games. Exactly. They'd be, they'd be 10.30 start times is what they'd be. So yeah. that way we were done and out of there by noon. Because come noon, it's going to be 100 degrees, and nobody wants to sit in the ballpark when it's 100 degrees in the plastic seats burning your leg. Nobody yeah, wants nobody that. Nobody wants that. That's just miserable. So I would have first off said, okay, 100 games is a bit ambitious to start with. We can always add more games if it does well. But that many games are just going to increase overhead, and I'm not sure take enough money in to justify that many games to start with. Yeah. I probably would have went with around 70, 72, right in that kind of range. First season, I, I would have went 50. I would have went some, I would have lowballed it. I really okay. would've, I would have just tried to get it off the ground. Get 50 games under the belt. Really try hard to, you know, get it, get some interest, gauge the interest, mm-hmm. um, and then, you know, go from there. See if the second season maybe move up to 70 and 100 if things keep mm-hmm. building. But I would, you're, you're right that I mean, whatever number you want to say that's not 100, you know, 70, 50, whatever that's tangential. Yeah, you have to be smaller, but it's got to be smaller than 100. You're right. Yeah, exactly. It all depends on how many games you want per week and yeah. how many weeks you want to run it. That's why I would have said, okay, you know what, right around the time like. The Atlantic League and all that starts is when I would jump in. I understand in that region you're dealing with the American Association starting at that time. Yeah. But I feel like that's just a better starting point than, you know, starting in the end of April. I'm not sure that's a great time to start. Uh, pushing it back two weeks helps you with the schedule. It helps keep you on a good pacing. Right. And also, if you think about viewership, uh, you know, kids aren't out of school yet. So you're not going to get a whole exactly. ton of people who come to the games. I mean, families make up a lot of these games. and love the attendance of these games and mm-hmm. with no families you know hey good luck exactly yeah i know you've still got all that in place there it's not like you're drawing that many other types of people to come in the middle of no. you know april so that's also a great point there so i would have started with that as the base of the league the next thing i would have done is immediately set four teams we're going to pick four teams and we'll pick kind of like two teams similar to like how selena was last uh, year with the Ken Emily. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that kind of thing. And just kind of pick two kind of teams like that, that they're not part of the league, but they play a showcase there to kind of help out the scheduling and whatnot. Yeah, definitely. Maybe maybe brought in two of those teams, yeah. Yeah, even going with, like, a national team, similar to, like, Canada yeah. League's doing like that. Yep. Maybe not necessarily the Cuban or Dominican leagues or even a Japanese league, but you can mm-hmm. probably get a Korean team. You could probably get a, another South American team in there. I think that would, could be interesting. You may be even able to get like uh, something else like that going. But yeah, I mean, I, absolutely. And I just think that um, we can do this exercise, and yeah. you know, there's, there's a lot of interest in these leagues. I like we've talked about it off the air many times. Hmm. The interest in making these leagues go and what would make them run. And I just think it's so great uh, hmm. to to plan these things out. And really, hmm. if you do it well, like you've seen with the Atlantic, like even the Can Am League, hmm. which started out as the the North League or Northern yeah, League. Northern League, and then that split. In that split, but but the point is, is the point I'm making is that if you run these leagues well, they can last for a long time. Exactly, you can get start going 25 years, 30 years. You can start getting up there if you know what you're doing. And um, once again, like we've been saying, it does. It seemed like it made sense at the time, and it just as it went on, didn't. Yeah. And so, like I said, I would start smaller with the smaller schedule, and then if you saw it went well, then you expand from there. And a, give it, it a couple of years, let it breathe a little bit. And certainly, a more of an ownership situation. I of mean, course, you can't have one guy running all the show. I'm sorry, you just can't do it. It won't. It just doesn't work. Exactly. Like even with like as we've talked on the show before, like the AAF. The difference is there's a lot of different investors involved, and in it. yep. it's not just one guy. And it's not like there's these bunch of different investors that are going, okay, well, here's a couple hundred thousand or whatever. They're throwing in, okay, here's ten million. Yes. Here's twenty million. I mean, Dundon just came in with the two hundred and fifty million bomb. Yeah. You know, so you can't just survive on little. Ownership groups, you need a lot of like okay, meaningful investment guys, and then also to, to use the AF as a model again, mm-hmm. you know, Mark Schuster isn't Bill Polian. I mean, Bill Polian is a smart 
football guy who understands exactly. the economics of football and the game. And Mark's, Mark has some experience, but he is not a, a, a expert as a, as a good Yeah, exactly. He's yeah. not an expert in it. Yeah, and of course, the skills on those are vastly different, but even still, the point definitely remains that you need people that know what they're doing on the field aspect to help guide the off-the-field stuff. Right. And it's, it seems like, once again, it wasn't what was thought of, and it just... It needs to be rethought of, I think. I yeah. think you need a restructuring. I think you need to blow it up. I think you need to blow up this idea. I think you need to go back to the drawing board with what you have now. Mm-hmm. You've got these teams, I think, what do you have? Maybe two ready to operate? Is that what the... Probably about two. About uh, two. I think Dallas has a ballpark. Uh, if you were to go ahead and shift focus, you could probably get Chapman going. You just need to renegotiate the lease. Yeah, so, I mean, at least one, if you got one or two teams going... Try to get, try exactly. to get into an, another league from there, and that's that's it. I mean, you know. exactly. I think that's I think that's really the best way of doing it. We're going okay. We're shelving everything until 2024, and that's when we're going to come back. Yep. We're going to spend the next five years figuring this out. Yep. And getting it so it's going to work right and it's going to last. Yeah, I agree. Which so, once again, oh, I wanted to say, and closing, it's still a great idea. I it think is, an Atlantic yeah. League type set up there in the American Southwest and Texas and that general region could do wonders. I think that region is vastly underserved. And if they do it right, you can have teams in Texas, that lower part of Missouri. You can start going to like Arizona, New Mexico, and even get parts of California involved. And yep. that could really generate a lot of hype and a lot of help for them. But as it stands now, it's not going to materialize. I think the way that that happens most effectively for fans is that if you did have an Atlantic League say, uh, you know, okay, you know, this is the way, this is the best way to do this, and split it up into two divisions. I think that's that's yeah. the kind of the way that it would work out really well is if you had a bigger league, American Association and Atlantic League, mm-hmm. say, okay, so this is now our Western division and this is our Eastern division. Or yeah, that type of thing. Yeah, no, that, that could definitely work very well, too. Yeah. I think we've said all we can about that, and let's kind of move on here. Uh, now I'm going to give you the choice here to pick the uh, programming direction here. We could keep the dive in on to player movement. We could go over to updates on just a bunch of random stuff we found throughout the week that didn't warrant a whole segment. Or we could go ahead and go way off topic. Ooh, let's go way off topic. Way off topic, seventh inning time out, right? Seventh inning stretch. All right, you have anything to bring for today, or do you want me just to pull something out of thin air? Well, you can pull something out of thin air, but the one thing that I did want to talk about a little bit, and we might have touched on it last week as well, um, is the is the Johnny Manziel? Uh, we brought it up a while ago. Oh, to the AAF. Yeah, the AAF. Uh, Memphis Express. I really like this move. Not, I really like. I said, I don't. I'm not even sure if it matters if he plays well. Like to me, I don't know. That I just think the fact that he's there. Once he starts a game, the viewership's going to go up. Oh, keeping him, that's it. Oh. Keeping him in this league is going to be great for it. As long as he stays in somewhat, I mean, it, it doesn't even have to be like completely out of trouble. As long as he's just some, as long as, as, long as he's as there he got, on Saturdays and doesn't get arrested Saturdays and Sundays. Exactly. As, he's in, as long as he doesn't do anything too wrong, yep. he'll be fine. Yep. I expect for him to get in for only like a series or two. Yeah, this week. Uh, yeah. This week, just because I mean, he's only practicing with the team for one week, so yeah, I imagine five days or something. Like exactly. That. I imagine he's going to be kind of running a lot of option type plays, mm-hmm. things like that. That really appeals to his skill set. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're going against Birmingham this week. That's uh. One of the better teams, I would say. Yeah, certainly uh, defensively, they're just fantastic. Yeah, they're a top-tier defensive team, so I'm not really sure if this is the week we want to run Johnny out there. Yeah, that's why that's why he's not starting, I guarantee you. <laughs> yeah, no, and then also uh, Silvers, the other guy starting, I believe, is Brendan Silvers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he's just got more experience in the playbook, and he has a different set of skills that I think is more applicable and will help Memphis more against... Uh, against Birmingham. Exactly, but even still, Bur- our, uh, Memphis's whole offense really revolves around running the ball. Yeah, um, which it helps, which Johnny Manziel oh, certainly yeah, no, can do. That. <laughs> Although, I find it kind of interesting, he wound up in Memphis with Mike Singletary as a head coach. I feel like that's... Uh, uh, it just seems like a weird mix here, considering this is Mike Singletary, who has held the press conference before and said, I can't win with him, can't do it, won't do it, can't do it. Yeah, I mean, that, that whole situation was bad back in the day. Um, the Ver- Vernon Davis, I believe, mm. situation. Um, but, you know, for, for me, I just, I, I, like I said, I really wanted to either see him go, I think we talked about it before when mm. we brought it up, I really wanted to see him either go to uh, the, the Commanders, San Antonio mm. Commanders, um, 
and or the the San Diego flu with Mike Mike Marks. I thought that yeah. was going to be that would have been good, but unfortunately he went to Memphis, and I think that's going to be great for Memphis. But like you said, I don't know how Mike Singletary and Johnny Manziel exactly. coexist. I almost wonder if like someone in the league like ever saw Keenan and said, "You're going to take him." <laughs> you're you're one in eight, or you're one in. Let's say they're one in four, one, one in five. five yeah, yeah. Like you're the worst team in the league by a decent little bit. You have no real meaningful quarterback situation here. You're going to pick him up and you're going to play him. Hackenberg. Is, oh, what a week for a second. Yeah, Christian Hackenberg has not not been uh, uh, not been good in either league. You have to feel bad though for like Memphis as a team. You had the sister hack starting three games and just looking terrible in all yeah. three. You have Mettenberger come out. He style, he like starts playing well and whatnot, and then he hurts his ankle so he can't play. So now you're on the Silvers, and you're like, okay. So <laughs> then the Silvers are Manziel. Oh my goodness! It's you're running low at quarterbacks. I mean, I really do think though that that Manziel's energy, the the energy that he played with at A and M at least, and even mm-hmm. the energy he had when he was in Cleveland for that little bit. Um, you know, he, he didn't play extremely well in Cleveland, but I think a lot of the off-the-field stuff is more the problem. I mean, he was electrifying when he came in. Um, he obviously does not play the same way as, like, a Baker Mayfield or something like that, but he certainly does bring a lot of energy, and he runs around a lot, and he's, he's exciting for those backyard football kind of plays. And I think the AAF, you can, you can do that a little bit easier in the AAF. Yeah, you're able to get away with it a bit more. Uh, also, it's going to help him a lot, being that the offensive lines in the league are... Kind of scares, but that's also to be expected. In the NFL, you see poor linemen all the time. So, oh, yeah. So when you see them filter through, you know you're not going to be getting a great eight blocking. And so that, that's something to watch, though. I am excited to see Johnny play this week. He yeah, is. Yep, it'll be on NFL Network. It's the late game on Sunday, so I believe it's at 8 o'clock. Yep. If you want to tune in to see potentially Johnny Manziel play. A little bit, maybe. Which also Memphis is now selling Johnny Manziel based uh, clothing. So like the shirt jerseys uh, that say Express on the front or have the Express logo and Manziel two on the back. Also Manziel jerseys. If you want to buy one, you can buy one there. I'm doing it. I'm buying a Johnny Manziel jersey. I think the jerseys around a hundred bucks or so, and then uh, the shirts I believe are around thirty or so. So yeah, they'll set you back a little bit. But if you really like Johnny Manziel, then go for it. <laughs> You throw up the money sign and uh, hope you have some money for it. Right? <laughs> I just really hope Johnny doesn't do anything stupid. Yeah, because like when he went to Canada and come back now, he seems like he's changed a bit and kind of matured a little bit. Like he did leave Canada on bad terms, but they said because he missed a meeting or something. And that yeah, just kind of like... yeah. I feel like it's one of those moves where it's like, well, I don't really want to be in Canada anymore. They won't terminate my contract for me, so I guess I'll violate a term to terminate it. Yeah, because it didn't seem like such a big termination. You know, exactly. It's it not like, like he failed a drug test. Exactly. If that was something, then it'd be like, okay, yeah, it was time to stay away from him. Yeah. But the fact that it was just like missing a meeting or something like that, it's... Yeah, that's tangential. It's pretty minor. If it's like a recurring issue, then I guess. Right. But miss one meeting, it's, it's the kind of thing where it's like, okay, well, you're just not going to start. Right. Come off the bench, or yeah. it's okay. Crawl the length of the field five times. Yeah, I wouldn't have. You know, I mean, I, I wouldn't. It's I, not worthy of being released from a contract. No, I mean, and, you know, the thing is, everyone goes, "Well, he didn't play that well in the CFL last year." Well, first of all, when he had that much turbulence, he got traded. <laughs> so he got traded. Yeah, he went from <laughs> Hamilton to Montreal so he could start, and then adjusting to that game was very different. Yeah, they got hurt, and it's such a different game. I think he'll do a lot better in the mm. AF than he did in the CFL. I just think it's such a different game. It's a different, different players, different atmosphere. Memphis is, it, you know, it's in Tennessee. It's a nice city. You know, it's got some good culture and some good history behind it. It's not a real party town, terribly. Yeah, no, it's so, not too bad. So it's, 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 it'll be good for him to, to, to be there and maybe focus a little bit more. But it's not as desolate, um, or not different. Desolate is wrong. Yeah. It's not as different for him as Canada was. Yeah, exactly. I, I definitely agree with that. It's gonna be interesting to see. Yeah. Money Manziel, the return. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm gonna be intrigued to watch it once again. That's on NFL Network at eight o'clock. Yep. on Sunday. So I'm trying to think if I got anything else to add for the segment here because it's the last few weeks I haven't been bringing anything to the table here. Right, you gotta step up the game. Well, I have something big for when we get to towards the end of uh, April. I got a whole big rant and stuff, but until we get to that, I don't I don't really got much. So. I guess with that, we could just kind of continue on back to the normal realm of uh, 
independent league ball. Indie ball, yes, sir. Yep. So, do we want to talk about player movements or save those towards the end here? Because there's some ankle decent moves. Let's go for the player moves. Okay. So then we'll save all the updates and stuff and are uh, talking bad about the dogs announcement towards the end. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it for the end. Alrighty. So you got three major moves I saw, and also then there's another one I saw when uh, I went on and checked the Twitter before the show, which was just uh, some players got released from Rockland in Can Am League. That most notably was uh, Mike Montville, who's been a fairly decent, stable name for them for a while, but they hadn't become roster compliant, so I suppose he was the guy that had to lose his end. Yeah. And then uh, it's Southern Maryland Blue Cramps of the Atlantic League traded for... I believe it's El Haj Muhammad uh, from Sussex of the Can Am okay, League. Yeah. So they bolstered their uh, pitching depth there with that trade. That was just for uh, future considerations. Yep. As are all the uh, trades we're going to discuss here. There's two trades and a signing. So let's jump into the signing first and then we'll go from there. Mm-hmm. Kirk Newman Heiss, most notably of bringing home runs in a game for the Mets fame, <laughs> has signed with the Long Island Ducks, 31 years old. Just the shade over a two-war, 31 home runs, 117 ribbies, and a .695 OPS on the career. Six years of MLB service, Mets, Angels, Brewers, and a short stint with the Mariners. Well, a short stint with the Brewers and the Mariners. He's mostly known as a Met. Right. And uh, that's about all there is to him. He hasn't played in Major League Baseball since April 2017, and he really is just kind of a quadruple-A fourth outfielder type. Yeah. I think I think it's a great addition for the Ducks. Uh, mm. Certainly, you know, I think his skill set will translate really well into the Atlantic League. Uh, you know, he's a guy who has a little bit of pop to him. Um, he's a decent outfielder. So, yeah, I mean, he certainly is a guy who, who adds to the roster, doesn't detract in any way. Um, and is, is an all-around pretty, like you said, pretty solid, well-rounded player. He's got major league experience. And any time you can have a guy with major league experience in your clubhouse, it's always a big thing for these independent league teams. And the Ducks, obviously, we've said many times, very great organization, and they are going to continue to do things like this and bring in talent um, and guys who really understand baseball. Kirk uh, is definitely a baseball guy. Yeah, no, he's definitely a good player. Uh, I say he's quadruple A, but that just means he's kind of that weird in-between spot where you're probably not going to use a 25-man roster spot on him, but he's still too good for triple A. Right. Uh, just given his age, it puts him in a little bit of a disadvantage, but I see him as the perfect guy to pick up towards the end of May. If you really get hammered with injuries, I think he's that kind of guy. I think he's going to really help Long Island out. He's definitely a very competent baseball player. And I'm interested to see what he does out there on the island. Like I said, there's not much to him. He's basically your typical kind of guy. But just as a Met fan watching him play, he'd always come up with one or two really nice games, I say, every couple of weeks. You've always have one. Yeah, he also had a bit of like a clutch gene to him a little bit. Yeah, I think. He, yeah, he did. He does have a little bit of an ick factor to him. He, he does. He had the one really nice home run in 2015 against the Nats that won him a game, and obviously 2015 was the run to the World Series year. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so he definitely has experience there. I'm interested to see what he can do in the Atlantic League, though. Yeah, and I think in the Atlantic League, it's a good way for him. Maybe to, like you said, turn it around, and maybe he's an end of the year addition for somebody. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, you can definitely see that. Yeah, I definitely think he's kind of injury guy. I don't think he spends the whole year here. No. I'd be kind of surprised if I saw him here in October. Yeah, I agree with that. I think he's too talented to stay in the Atlantic League. And also, he's just got too much of a resume, really, to stay in the Atlantic League mm-hmm. for too long. Um, it's kind of like a Brian LaHare. Yeah. That we saw with Somerset a little bit ago. I agree, yep. Yeah, he's that kind of guy where I kind of expect him to leave. But at the same time, however it goes, wouldn't be that surprising to me. Yeah, no, I'm very excited uh, for his addition to the Atlantic League. Exactly. Just like we've said, his clock's kind of running out on being a major league guy. He's 31 now, and there's a bunch of guys that are 24 or 25 that can do the same things he does. And, I mean, cost is all the same. I assume you'd use a younger guy. He's under your control already. Right, of course. But I think the thing is with him... A proven veteran in the locker room, there is something to be said for that. Mm. So I think that is his kind of niche spot where he's got to figure exactly. out how to be that guy. Yep, like I said, I expect if, I think by May or June, if he's not off the Ducks, he's going to be a Duck. Yeah. If he is off the Ducks, I don't see him coming back for a long while. Agreed. Yep. So moving on from there, Somerset countered with another move to bring in another uh, major league vet. They brought in a couple other guys, uh, Mike Broadway being a notable guy, but the guy we're going to spotlight here 
is Jimmy Paradis. He is a 30-year-old with a less than stellar uh, stat line in his time in Major League Baseball, which consists of six years of experience with the Royals, Astros, Blue Jays, Phillies, and Orioles. Stat line that we uh, just were mentioning is a one a negative 1.6 WAR. So he's <laughs> below replacement level. He only has 20 home runs, 100 ribbies, and a .656 OPS. He has not been in the major league since October 2nd of 2016. And he did spend the last year with Lancaster. He was traded from Lancaster to Somerset. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that was just for future considerations. Whereas most minor league trades are normally not a player for a player. That doesn't normally happen. Right. Uh, and honestly, and feel free to disagree here, but I feel like his really his highlight at this point is kind of like a triple A utility guy or a veteran off the bench type. I think that's kind of the ceiling at this stage. Yeah, I agree with that. And I also think that he's a he's a guy who's interesting. Um, I think he's a utility guy, like you're saying. He's versatile. Um, he's got a little bit of speed. So he's someone who you can definitely bring up and plug into a lot of different positions. Uh, so I think he's a good thing to have, but I think he's more of the guy, Jimmy's more of the guy who will stay in the Atlantic League. He stayed mm. there for the majority of the season last year, if I'm correct. Mm. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, he's gonna, he'll, he'll stay in the Atlantic League. I don't see him getting uh, another uh, NLB look. Um, <laughs> may, maybe an affiliated team would sign him, maybe, uh, uh, but I really doubt it uh, at yeah. this point. And, like, he's 30 years old at this stage. I think, it was, I think he's just playing for the sake of playing at this point. I don't really see him being taken of any sort of note. I mean, there's plenty of other guys that aren't signed in Major League Baseball that have more recent play in the league, that have better stats and everything of it, that can do the same things he does. So I really don't see him, you know, going up to a different level. But I think for Somerset, he can definitely make a difference. I think think he'll be an important piece of Somerset. Uh, maybe like he, he might even be a bench guy, you know, on Somerset. But <laughs> no, I think he could definitely be a good utility guy. Yeah, I think he's kind of an, I'm gonna say an everyday player, but definitely a first guy off the bench. If yep. somebody needs a day off, you go ahead and you plug him in because he can be an infielder, he can be an outfielder, he can do just about everything but catch and pitch. Yep. So I think that definitely bodes well for him in the uh, in the coming weeks of the season and yeah. the upcoming year. And I and I also think, well, that, that is the one thing that makes me think maybe he gets another crack in, in, in affiliated ball if he has a really good season. Just because he's a kind of utility knife utility type player. Guy. Yeah, he's a Swiss Army knife. He can do a little bit of everything. So it, those type of guys, they, they stick around. Um, but, you know, certainly it's good to see him getting an opportunity with Somerset. And I think he can contribute whatever that end uh, result winds up being. Exactly. I think it'll be interesting to see kind of how he pans out. All right. So the last of like the major moves I've seen around this week was uh, I would say a fairly large player in the Can-Am League. He got a I don't want to say a call up, but for lack of a better term, a move up <laughs> to high point of the Atlantic League. He was dealt from the Quebec Capitals to High Point for future considerations. He's 32 years old, 167 home runs with 521 ribbies, and the man we're talking about. Is Colleen Sands. He seems like a pretty solid guy. He's been playing for a very long time. He's never gone above double A. But from everything I've seen from the past two years with Quebec, very um, solid player. Yeah, he's a solid player. He's a hard-working guy. Um, these are the kind of guys you'd love to see get opportunities no matter where they're playing. This seems like an overall good guy. Um, and, and really, you know, he's a, he's like a you know kind of a Crush Davis kind of a mm. uh, a guy where he's he's been around the minor leagues for a long time, and you know I, I have a lot of respect for him, and and I think it, like you said, I think that, that just talent wise, he's going to be a really good pickup uh, for them. Yeah, exactly. I sent out a tweet earlier in the week that I point actually had noticed and liked on. Uh, I was saying, but he's definitely going to be a plus for any offense in indie ball, and I definitely stand by that. Yeah, absolutely. He's got some good power, and he can hit for contact. He drives and runs. He's a solid guy. I'd say you put him in the six or the seven hole, and you're really going to see him flourish there. Yeah, even five. You can put him in his highest five. Five, I think. I think that maybe if you're putting him in five, I think you're a bit offense starved, yeah. or you're just trying to jumpstart something. I think six is where he really, truly lives in the Atlantic League. And he gets, this isn't his first rodeo in the Atlantic League. He spent 21 games with uh, Camden River Sharks from 2013 to 2014. But his real longest time he spent was with Quebec, uh, 289 games there. 
That's well, a, it's, a, it's a lot of games. Yeah, 26, all 2016, 17, and 18 he spent there. He's good for around 70 games if you look at his numbers there. So I would expect something similar from that from him this year. I think it's really great uh, for High Point to have him, especially because brand new team. team yeah, you need you need a little bit of an established grizzled kind of veteran hmm. um, who come in and understands minor league baseball. I mean, a lot of these guys that you pick up from the MLB, they understand baseball and they understand MLB baseball, but not really independently. He's got a really interesting track record of understanding how to play in independent league baseball. Especially guys that were part of affiliated ball, like double A and triple A guys, that are this is the first time not being in, in affiliated ball. Yep. So it helps an example there, just even just as a younger guy. If you see uh, like a 20-year-old, a 21-year-old, 23-year-old kid that's in a league like that, obviously they have a lot of talent, they just need to work through some stuff. I think he can kind of help out there. Yep, absolutely. But, but this move, it signals to me that Jamie Keefe has a lot of control on that roster. Because he's picking up guys that were that he's seen in the past years in the Atlantic League. And he's also picking up other guys that he just kind of knows about from his other time managing. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yep, and I'm, I'm really interested to see how High Point does. Because I think they can really do good. I actually think, yeah, I think their roster is really strong. I think they could be... They could really push for a, a playoffs, so if not a league title this year. They really could. Exactly. I mean, Atlantic League will be the first league that we preview in the coming weeks here. Yeah. Figure, like I said, around two weeks, three weeks from now is when we're going to start going in and dissecting these leagues and give our previews and our predictions on them. But I definitely agree with that. I think, honestly, it may be a bit crazy to say, but I wouldn't be surprised to see High Point in the playoffs this year. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Like, it's something that I could, I could definitely see happening. Or at the very least, them not fading out early. Yeah, and the thing is, there's a lot of teams who early on in their campaigns, um, or early on in their runs as mm. uh, organizations, do win. You know, yeah, exactly. do win. You know, championships and things like that. So I, I'd be interested to see how that goes. I think there's a chance, maybe not championship level, but certainly playoffs. I mean, this is a good roster. Exactly. And them, obviously, they're going to have a tough hill to climb. Oh yeah. They're going to have a lot of good teams to go through. They're going to have to go through your Somersets, yeah. your Long Islands. Yep. On Sugarlands revamped and ready to go again. As usual. Lancaster's certainly no slouch. Never. York's never easy to play. Southern Maryland still looks like they could be dangerous at certain ends. Yeah. New Britain, down year, but definitely can come back. Free peanuts. Exactly. exactly. Free peanuts are just good. <laughs> See, the free peanuts are going to drive the revenue at the ballpark somehow. Probably just by getting the stampedes of people there. For the free peanuts. Exactly. Yeah. And all those giveaways. So they're going to have yeah. so much money that they're, they're probably going to actually go out and they were actually ready to submit an offer to uh, Bryce Harper, but they then, but the Phillies stole him at the last minute. No, you know, it was the fact that see Bryce wanted the free peanuts, and like Bryce, we just can't do the free peanuts. They just couldn't do the free peanuts. We can't do it. It's a bridge too far. It's we just can't. too far, Bryce. <laughs> exactly. So he's like, well, then I guess I have to go play for Philly now. I just, I just love New Britain. Come on, a little jingle. Come on, New Britain is just a great organization. Come on. Well, I mean, as the jingle says, New Britain bees baseball. It's better with the bees. <laughs> Once again, New Britain, I'm pleading with you. Just lower the volume. If you're not going to tell the autoplay, just lower the volume Don't on lower it. Lower the volume. Never lower it, New Britain. You be you. We love you. You be really. Yeah. Was that, int- that was, was the not pun- English, no. No, was the pun intentional there? You be you yes, for the New was. Britain bees? Yeah, it was. I'm disappointed in you. Anyway. Heavily disappointed in okay. you. All right, let's go, on to, let's go on to the updates and stuff and then get out of here. Let's cover these last few things here and then we can... Uh, Good night, we'll have to plug our stuff here and uh, go about our the rest of our day. As we've been talking about it, we got the dog's announcement. <laughs> we were way off on this thing here. We, we were wrong. There's no, there's no way to put it. I'm we're, sorry about how wrong I was. We ate an L on this. We were really thinking it has to be. If you go back to the footage in episode 7, at the end of it, you're going to hear us go, it has to, it has to be the deal with ESPN. Just, Why else would they end it on ESPN? Don't listen to that part. Just skip that part over. And just, uh, we were so confident in that. And the thing is, too, they gave you enough to make that prediction as to what their thing was. But you think it's just set piece. So I can't tell if I applaud them for hiding their announcement so well in the video. Or if I'm annoying with them for this being their thing. So without further ado, then the Chicago Dogs announced that they, on their opening day, they'll be handing out hot dog costumes to everyone in attendance, courtesy of Vienna sausages, so Vienna beef. And they are going to be going for the world record for largest gathering of wieners in one location. 
no comment. <laughs> that's just, that is, uh, that's bad. I just don't know what to say. I mean, I just, I was really hoping, oh, it's going to be a radio deal, something of substance, get to the team. I mean, uh, you know. I mean, it's not free peanuts, let's be honest here. So I, I don't really, I don't really, I don't really care. I just, I'm, I'm just, I have nothing to say to this. I'm, I'm disappointed. I'm upset. I'm, I cry a little bit when I saw the announcement. It's really just not good. I just, I mean, the thing is, is that I was really hoping that it was going to be like this good thing. I, I hyped it up. It was going to be this good thing for the city and the team. And all of a sudden, it's like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to dress up people with a bunch of hot dogs. Oh, what? <laughs> what? Did I miss something? <laughs> I'm just going to let my silence speak for itself as to how disappointed I am that it's just this, which I should have expected. It's minor league baseball. It was going to be a gimmick. Yeah. It wasn't going to be a big thing here. But I mean, I I'll feel better if I could get a hot dog costume out of it, though. I mean, like, we could go out to, uh, I believe it's Rosemount, Illinois. I mean, we could go there, but then we'd miss the miners raising their championship banner. Oh, yeah. So, so, sorry. I mean, like, I mean, they could send us a hot dog costume. I mean, like, if they want... if. Here's what I'm willing to do. I'm willing to take one for the team, miss the banner raising. If they'll send me a plane ticket out there and a ticket to the game, we'll do a, a dual coverage of it. And we'll both wear hot dog costumes the whole time. It'd be kind of weird if you were in Sussex wearing a hot dog costume. I was going to do it anyway, but, you know, I was just going to... What do you mean? That's all I'm going to wear anymore. I'm just going to wear hot dog costumes, having different colors and things. That's going to be my whole wardrobe now. Oh, I thought you, I thought you were going full uh, Herbie the Miner this year. I thought uh, that was going to be your shtick. I might go Herbie the Miner this year, just, you know. I mean, Herbie's a damn good mascot. <laughs> He's a damn good mascot, you're right. There's no argument there. But, uh, yeah, there's ramping a bow in Chicago. They announced they're going to basically be trying to break a world record for most winners in one location. NHL Hall of Fame defenseman Chris Chelios will throw out the first pitch. And Wayne Messer, who apparently is a big shot in the Chicago area. He sings a lot of national anthems and things of that sort is going to sing the anthem there. On that night, May 17th, is their opening day for this event. You can find tickets on chicagodog.com. Anyway, now we got a pair of radio deals here to announce real quick, and that'll be all she wrote on today's show. So we got York's deal, and then the Southern Illinois Miners of the Frontier League. We'll hit York first, and then we'll go to Southern Illinois. All right. Our W-O-Y-K, 13.50 a.m., has now an FM frequency as well. Sports Radio 98.9 FM. This station is owned by the York Revolution. They've owned it since 2014. So they've had it for a while. They've been broadcasting the games on the AM mm -hmm. side. Now they also have FM broadcasting. Uh, there's going to be more information upcoming, but basically they've partnered with it. So you can listen to ref games in the greater York region now on Crystal Clear FM radio. Yeah, I like that. It's a little bit clearer. It's a little bit better. Um, you know, I think it's a good thing. Like I said, like I said last week when we were trying to hype the Chicago Dogs announcement, uh, I think a radio deal always makes it uh, worthwhile. I think the more listens you can get, really can drive uh, interest in the team and the organization. And so certainly, I think this is just another way for uh, the Revolution to really get their name out there more. And I've said I really like what York is doing. Their plan seems to be really good. Um, they're a really well-run organization, and uh, you know, this is just further proof of that. Exactly. I can agree more with that. As we've determined in the past, baseball's a radio sport. Oh, yeah. You, when you listen to it, it's better. So having York baseball on the radio is kind of the best of both worlds situation for fans of the team. Mm -hmm. so, moving on to Southern Illinois' deal. Obviously, a Frontier League team. Uh, Southern Illinois, they made their deal with River Radio, which, if you recall from the last time Southern Illinois came out with their charity initiative, River Radio was one of the sponsors of Yep. This is not really surprising. That's who they picked it with. Uh, it's going to be a five-year deal that runs through 2024. And the games will be available online at 1035ESPN.com. They will broadcast all regular, postseason, as well as two preseason games on the surface. Uh, the play-by-play -play crew they've had in the past will return. And they will only handle the audio aspect of it. Any video simulcast will be on Ustream still, so... Nothing changes if you're watching the video, only the audio should improve. Right. That's with an ESPN affiliate now. Yeah, that's certainly a good thing. Um, you know, again, that's another organization that I like. Uh, we talked about it. They do, their charity was a great idea. Um, and a lot of things they do uh, during the season to reach out to the community is good. And, and like I said, just a huge fan of getting, especially on radio for these smaller uh, market teams uh, in, in independent league ball. It's certainly great to have radio. And then obviously the visual simulcasts. 
okay, you can take them or leave them, but I think with the, the radio really does help drive interest, because like you said, baseball is a radio sport, I want to hear the booming voice of the announcer, um, and the really cool color commentator person, so that, that really does help uh, baseball, and it will certainly help the minors in the long run. Yep, I definitely agree with that, I think that's a a good way of putting it, and I think a good way to end it there. I've, obviously, radio deals, we've set our piece on them in the past, yeah. so there's only so much we can uh, really say about that. So, uh, with that being said here, let's go ahead and get our plugs and get out of here. Instagram is at IndieBallReport. Twitter is at IndieBallPod. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and on Podomatic. If you want to get the pod there, website is www.indieballreport.com. You can go ahead and find articles there, polls there, on any sort of show note or episode. It's all available on the website itself. And we also do have a YouTube channel. We don't normally plug it because there's nothing on it yet, but stuff will be coming as we start getting close to the season. Yep. So there'll be stuff there. Uh, outside of that, keep your, you want to follow the social media here, keep an eye on that because there is going to be a big announcement that we have coming on that in the coming, uh, few days. I'd say within the next 48 hours, we're going to announce that. Yeah, keep your eyes and ears posted on that. We've got some big news coming, very exciting for us and, uh, continuing our, our trend focus. Exactly. So, with all that said, then you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and play ball.